wanted to imagine something. Imagine it's the early 1800s. Let's say 1815. There's no internet. There's no trip advisor. There's no boots of chemist. There's no backup. And you're in your early 20s. And you just met Christ because you were staying in a hotel room, an inn, and uh, in a room next door, you heard someone choking to death, screaming and choking all night and lots of kerfuffle. And you wake up in the morning and find out it's your friend. You heard dying and you encounter Christ as a result, but so profoundly do you encounter Christ, you decide to dedicate your life to him in terms of your work, the whole of your life. And, um, you get on a boat and you go to India and uh, you get chased out, you and your new young wife, you get chased out by the uh, East India Company because you're disrupting trade by leading people to Christ. <laughs> See, after a couple of goes at trying to reach people in India, you then get on a boat and you end up in Burma. And in Burma, you are completely and utterly cut off. Try and picture yourself, you're in your early 20s and you're in Burma with your wife. Then you've recently become a Baptist. So that's happened to you, you've realized the need for baptism. And, um, you join a Baptist denomination but you're in Burma on your own. There are no other Christians around. Um, it takes you three years to learn the language. And in that time, you have absolutely no support. It's just you and your wife. By year four, you tentatively start to try and preach a gospel. So you um, you wear a yellow robe to show that you're not a Buddhist who wear orange, but you realize that doesn't work. So then you try and wear a, a white robe, you realize that doesn't work. So another year goes past and you're still trying to learn the language. And you're trying to also translate the Bible on your own. And in the end, uh, someone comes to Christ after around five years of trying, one person. After 12 years, 12 years, no support, no encouragement, no one around you. 18 people have come to Christ. And then war breaks out between Burma and the British, and the Burmese now think you're a spy, so they arrest you, and they hang you upside down by your feet, and they torture you, 
they beat you they keep you in chains and uh, your skin starts to warp and you nearly starve to death your wife who just gave birth actually before you were put in prison manages to secure your release and you come out and then your wife dies and you keep preaching the gospel you marry again with your second wife some years later you've had eight children only five of whom survive into adulthood and then your second wife dies and there's still only a handful of converts and still no support because of the war and you're still cut off but somehow something keeps bubbling up something inside you keeps stirring for Christ and so you go at it again and you make a pronouncement you say before I die I'd like to see a hundred people come to Christ <laughs> he planted Redeemer King six years ago it's more than a hundred people in a church but imagine saying that I will give my whole life and maybe I'll see a hundred people come to Christ and maybe I won't by age 67 You've been overseas for 45 years. You made one return trip to your homeland. You get a lung disease. You're told to go on a boat trip to get the sea air. And you die. All that time, all that time working alone to translate the Bible yourself there's no worship band there's no pastoral support there's nothing it sounds like a work of fiction but that is the life of a man named Adoniram Judson and, um, it's a remarkable story of one of these pioneers like Carey you know the first Baptist missionary who went out to India and saw his child die and his wife die and he'd just been a cobbler and goes out to India and sees essentially nothing during his lifetime. As for Adoniram, by the time of his death they had a hundred churches and eight thousand people had come to Christ <laughs> but for the majority of his life he saw nothing. And now actually in Burma uh, it's the third biggest population of Baptist Christians in the world due to his pioneering work. Isn't that quite astonishing? Now, why do I say this? Well, this week has been yet another twist and turn. And uh, the lockdown restrictions are, looks like steadily coming back and there'll be regional lockdowns and all kinds of stuff still continuing some of you are feeling it 
I felt it. In fact, talking to church leaders around the country, I've not spoken to one church leader who's not felt extreme pressure of trying to hold Christian community together and having to learn new skills and some have been absolutely wiped out. And some of you have felt wiped out, I know that. It's not easy. But you have to ask yourself, what is it that gets someone like Adoniram going? How did he keep going? How did Carey, first Baptist missionary, as I mentioned earlier, keep going? What keeps our faith bubbling up? What, what keeps Christ alive in our hearts? Let me read this to you from Jude. But you, dear friends, as you, build, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life, having, having mercy on those who waver, save others by snatching them from the fire, have mercy on others, but we fear, hating even garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish, and with great joy to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ the Lord, be glory, majesty, power and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Build yourselves up in the faith. Keep yourself in the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is, in a sense, no great magic here. The Christian walk, in one sense, is quite simple. Now, I don't believe we are meant to walk in the Christian faith on our own. I believe we are meant to do it in community. I believe that the psychological, sociological impact of not meeting with other human beings can be profound. I believe that. But I also believe that when we dwell in the presence of God and we keep ourselves in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can not only just about cling on and survive, we can actually thrive. I believe that. Now I'm gonna say something that sounds really harsh. And I don't mean it to sound horrible. I just want to be honest. I am not responsible for your faith. I can't do that. No one person, man or woman, passing a church can keep everyone's faith temperature hot. You could throw as much stuff at it as possible. And we do want to build our team. We've sent a letter out about that. But I'm not responsible for your faith. That's your walk before Christ. My job is to keep the temperature hot. To keep us in prayer. To keep teaching the Bible. Do what I can to keep us on the front foot of mission. My, my job is to sit in God's presence and I do it in the mornings. I, I seek to hear his voice as best I can and then lead 
as best I can. I'm just an ordinary bloke. Got my own struggles. Have my own ups and downs. What keeps me going? What keeps me leading CVM and the edge? Staying passionate about RK and wanting to innovate and create more mission opportunities. What does that? I know something profound happened to me on the 22nd of April, 1990. I met Jesus Christ and he changed my life. And he changed many of yours. And through all the twists and turns and ups and downs, the fact that he rescued me still breaks me to this day. I do nothing special. I read my Bible, put some worship music on. I remember his goodness. And I build myself up. And I do surround myself with people who cheer me on and I them. And this leads me to a very important point. Whilst I myself am not responsible for everyone's faith, in our case. We can create an atmosphere where we spur and cheer one another on. This is the time for cheering each other on. Believing the best, giving the benefit of the doubt. This is the time where individually we need to get on our knees. And pray that God would fill us with his spirit so that we might endure and overcome. I don't know if you can see this. <laughs> you probably can't tell. But this is a really steep climb I can walk up whilst trying to speak. And it's kind of um, poignant, really, because right now, for many of you, Life does feel like an uphill struggle. And I'm trying to walk up this with a broken foot that's healing as well. And sometimes we can feel like bits of us are breaking. But I firmly believe, with all my heart, if you keep your eyes fixed on Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith, if you seek him, Daily, if you keep kindness and thankfulness and gratitude at the forefront of your hearts, if you seek to stay on a narrow path, then despite bits feeling broken and despite things being an uphill struggle, you will get there in the end. And we will get there in the end together. But if ever there was a time where your faith has been proved and tested, RK family, it's now. What is clear is we can't rely on a buzzing meeting. We can't rely on meeting to chat or hug each other or comfort each other. But we have Christ and we have his spirit the ultimate comforter.
let's keep this atmosphere in RK of unity and peace. Celebrating every salvation, punching the air with joy when we see someone's life transformed. Being family, even when it's painful, overlooking insults, overlooking things that wind us up, not gossiping. The only thing we gossip is gospel. The only thing we should be bumping our gums about is the work of the devil, seeking to tear us apart. I thank God for you all. I thank God that we're a church in unity. We will meet in October. Looks like we're going to be able to do that in clusters. But let those meetings be characterised by joy and not awkwardness. <laughs> I believe we come out of this deeper, stronger, bigger, the deep. But continue to build yourselves up in the faith. Cheer each other on. Dwell in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And do this when you can. Take yourselves out if you're able to and be with God. If you're not able to, no matter how big or small your house is, find some quiet space and commune with him daily, daily, daily. Don't neglect it. Get up in the morning, find a chair, put some worship on and just sit and listen and thank him. Now, there's no hidden message here. Nothing's happened to make me say this. It's just what's occurred to me as I've sat and I've prayed. That's why I'm breaking for the Nehemiah series. It's time to be watchful in a lot of this recent news. Love you all. Praying for you all. Appreciate you all. Love our church. Keep looking up. <laughs>